I mean, obviously we want something that's going to receive a biblical answer, and, and that would be the focus of it. But we're doing those things in hopes of seeing Christ move in people's hearts and convert them and change them. And that's the whole purpose of, of all that we're doing. I mean, is, is, is ultimately always looking to bring people back to a place where they're worshiping God because that's what we're created for. That's what we're all about. And so, anyway, that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's some of the things that are coming up, and, and I hope that you'll be praying about those things. Um, they're, they're, I think they're critical for us. Um, but as I said, even today, in the message today, my hope is, is that you hear these words and recognize really what Jesus has done for you and what he, is, he has prepared for you. So with, without really uh, any further ado, I guess, let's, let's pray before we go to the, go to the Word and, and um, just focus our hearts and, and uh, ask that He speak to us. Father, I just thank You so much for this time. I pray for um, each of us. As we sit here, um, there are so many distractions. There's so many things that um, can draw our attention away. And I would pray that in the midst of this, that, Father, you would help us to focus only on you, your Son, and your Spirit. I pray that you would just strengthen us for uh, what's ahead of us. I pray that you would um, prepare our hearts to, to possibly be convicted or to be excited about what you've done. I pray that you would just um, just move in this time and that uh, as we walk from, these, from this place that we would um, recognize you and see your power and your grace evident in our lives. I pray for uh, myself that you would just speak through me, use me as a vessel. Um, I, I need your help. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Well, we've come to the last week of a five-week study on the, on, the, on the resurrection, death and resurrection of Lazarus. And in that, every week we've come, you know, it's been more than just simply looking at this miracle. Uh, although the miracle has been part of the focus, every week we've come, we've seen that in this miracle, we get to see truly, we truly get to see Jesus moving and working and demonstrating certain things about himself. We saw that, you know, instead of God not existing because suffering and evil exist in the world, we recognized and were able to see through the text that, that truly, in the midst of these difficult and trying times, God's glory can really be seen most clearly. We saw that, that, that God's providence, His plan, it will not be stopped. His, His, His plan cannot be stopped in any way by anything we do. It can't be changed by, by our, our um, mistakes or our failings or even our successes. His providence is, 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 is really our assurance for our future. We saw that as Jesus went back into Jerusalem, even though he was likely going to be killed if he did. We saw as Jesus went into, into this and, and he met with them and saw the grief that these people had, we saw that, that God was not some God that was distant and, and, and uncaring and uncompassionate, but we saw Jesus approach these people, see their grief and experience this this compassion for them that moved him and grieved him, and he wept. And last week we saw that his power was made so evident that, that now as we think about his glory and we understand his power, what he can truly do, we understand that, that his glory really does shine brightly in the midst 
of trying times. We recognize that His providence can be our assurance because He truly is an all-powerful God. We recognize that His compassion and His grace are meaningful. They actually will mean something. They're not, they're not simply, well, I feel bad about it. But He moves in it and with His power together, it, 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 it's, it's life-changing. It, it converts us and it, it, and it brings death or it brings life where death was. And this week, really, I, I think as we sum this, this whole story up, I, I think that we'll see that really the passage that we're going to read today is really the focus or, or really the reason that all of this occurred so that we could see and understand one important, one very important point. We're going to be in John chapter 11. Um, Verse 20 uh, through 27 is the passage. If, you're, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. I think the verses will be on the screen. But as you're turning there, let me just set up the context and set up what's happened. Jesus sat in, in, uh, or, or was uh, in a village about uh, uh, somewhere around 30 miles away. He was there. He receives the message that his friend Lazarus is ill, and he sits there for two more days. He gets the message and he sits there for two more days. The text tells us that he did this because he loved these people. He didn't act like they thought he should have acted, but he did it because he loved them. At just the right time, he gets up to go, and, and trusting in the providence of his father, he gets up and, and, and goes back to Bethany, which is near Jerusalem, and, and his disciples, his followers, are saying, hey, don't go back. They were going to stone you the last time you were there. They're very angry with you. Don't go back. You need to stay here. And, and against their better, better judgment, but he, trusting in his father's providence, gets up and goes. As he gets there, and, or actually before he gets there, Martha runs out. She sees him. She, she falls at his feet. She, she, she uh, has a conversation with him. After this conversation, she goes and gets her sister, brings her sister back. When her sister Mary comes back with, with her, she has also a group of, of mourners. And they are, oh man, they're mourning and they're crying and they're hurting. And they're upset, you know, and, and, and this, it, it's just a, a, a very sad and intense moment, I think. Jesus sees that, he's grieved, he asks to be brought to the tomb, and he gets to the tomb and he says, now roll away the stone. Now Martha had already, in this, in this passage, had already confessed that she trusted in Christ, that she believed he was the Messiah, and so she demonstrates this, this faith, but demonstrates that it's imperfect as even as Christ calls for the stone to be rolled away, she says, hey man, he stinks. Probably better not do that. Well, the stone's rolled away anyway, and Jesus stands in front of that tomb and he cries out, Lazarus, come out. And I think in one of the most shocking events of those people's lives, he actually came stumbling out of the grave alive. That's the story. But what's it all about? What's it point to? Well, I think that this passage that we're going to read today, I think that this is the, 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 the depth of what this all points to for us. John chapter 11, verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met Him. But Mary remained seated in the house, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, I, I want to just talk to you a little bit about this, uh, this idea of resurrection. N.T. Wright, in his book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, he does a detailed study of, of what the, the first century view of the resurrection was. And just to say it plainly, is they thought it was impossible. They thought there's no way this could ever be. People don't get up from the grave. This doesn't happen. Now, we know um, that there was a couple of different uh, denominations, if you will, within Judaism. And there's more than a couple, but there was two prominent ones. And, and one of those prominent ones was the Sadducees. And they, they felt the same way, that, that resurrections, they just don't occur. There's no such thing. There's no hope of that. It's once you're dead, you're in the ground. That's it. <clears throat> now, they believed in, in, in some eternal life, but there was no resurrection of the flesh. Now, the Pharisees, on the other hand, another denomination, went against the grain of, of the other Jews and really of all the prominent thought in that day because they held to a, a resurrection, that there would be a resurrection in the end. And that's where we see Mary talking about this. We have this understanding that Mary believed that there would be some sort of resurrection. Now, it's a little different for us because we look back and we've grown up, most of us have grown up in, in, in the U.S. Well, it looks like everybody's grown up in the U.S. Maybe, maybe you haven't. But we grew up in a society where the, the, the resurrection of Jesus has been taught. And if you grew up in church, you probably heard about Lazarus being called back from the dead. And, and so we've, we've grown up with stories of resurrections. And so it might be a little more palatable for us. It might be a little easier for us to handle. But it's not like we walk around and and see people pop up out of their graves, it's not an everyday occurrence. And for us, it's still something that probably seems impossible. But that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about that there will be life after death. That there will be a resurrection. Your brother will rise again. And, and she pushes him off and she says, well, I know in the end that that's coming. Most of the world that she lived in didn't believe that way. But she trusted I believe He will rise again in the end. But see, Jesus moves beyond that. And he, and he calls her to think beyond that. And He says this. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus is telling her that there is more to this resurrection than what she's expecting. And she's not even getting it. She's, she's not even ready for it. But what's about to happen is about to change her perspective forever. And I think it's easy for us to be in this place because most of us... In fact, if you've ever seen somebody come up back from the dead, go ahead and raise your hand. We haven't. Now, I told you last week I have a story about that, and I'm going to share it today. Most, some of you have heard this, and, and you'll think, oh, not that story again. But, but I think it will help, help, help you understand this perspective that she had. One of the first years, actually the very first year, I went to China on a short-term mission trip. The missionary there hooks us up with a... They, they had no idea these people existed. It, existed. it was an accident that they found him. 
or found them. It was a, a group of Chinese Christians out in the middle of nowhere that were believers. They walked up onto this bridge one day, and they found this group of Chinese Christians, and they were singing songs in Chinese, but they were hymn songs, and so they recognized the melody. And it was an amazing event, amazing time for them, and, and they just celebrated together. Only one of them spoke Chinese, and, and, uh, and so there was a lot of translating going on, and there was questions and answers, and it, it was this amazing time. And, and, and just like it was like old friends had gotten together. It, it, was, it was great. And, and they came back talking and telling this story that, that was amazing. Well, on our trip, we got to meet this one of the people that, that was there as well. And we stood in her house, and she shared with us how her father was very ill. And we stand there, and she's, she, she, she's just broken because she doesn't want to lose her father because she understands her father's not a believer. In fact, he has... He, he, he's active in ancestral worship and he believes in many gods, the sun god, the dragon god, all of these different gods. There's little idols that in his house that he prays to and, and she is brokenhearted because she wants him to believe so badly and she is praying for his salvation. And she asks us, please, please pray with me. And so we gather in a circle around her and, and uh, although I'm not the most charismatic of people, we, we all laid hands on her and prayed for healing and prayed for, for God to use her and anoint her and and, uh, and it, it, was, it was a little different than what I'm used to. But it was a very powerful, very intense moment, and, and I always remember it uh, as something that was life-changing for me. We get home, and we hear reports from the missionary that this woman had gone to visit her father, who was several villages away, and by the time she gets there, he's dead. She goes and she puts her hands on him and prays for him, and he comes back to life. Now, this is my response to that when I hear that story. I'm almost ashamed to say this. It's kind of funny because I like to make a joke out of it, but it's really sad. When I heard that, the first thing that went through my head was, oh, he was just mostly dead. Do you guys remember uh, Princess Bride where, where the guy was dead? and I, th- I forget who it was, but Miracle Max. Oh, he's just mostly dead. He's going to pump him with air. That was, that was my thought. Oh, they're out in the boonies. They don't have heart monitors. They don't know if those people are dead. He's just mostly dead. And I was immediately convicted by the Spirit. I did it before. You believe that I'm going to do it again. Why can't I do it today? And I was shocked and stunned, and I was stopped in my tracks. But I really think that this is probably the perspective that she held. She understood that Christ was going to, that in the end there was going to be a resurrection. She understood that, that, that Christ was powerful. That's why they called on Him. They knew that, they, that, that He could heal their brother. If you had just been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. They knew these things. They had no idea that they were about to experience what they were about to experience. They had no idea that He had this kind of power. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me, even if He dies, He will live. She doesn't know, I think, what to do with that. But, but as I've thought about this and as we've studied this, I think that there's something very specific that we can see here, especially for us today. Especially for us today. You see, what we can recognize in Him saying that is that Jesus truly is the source. 
He truly is the source of life. Not, not just getting saved and, 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 and being converted in, in this life, but being saved and having the hope of life eternal, not just in spirit form, but in a body. See, in our, in our evangelical circles today, we teach, we teach that Jesus Christ came, He died on the cross for the sins of... of, of he, he came and He died on the cross for sin. Those who believe and, and have faith are, are saved. They're converted. They're, they're sanctified. He, he works in them. And they come to the point of death and we say things like, well, He's in a better place now. And it's almost like we hope for that time. Not that that's bad. Not that it's wrong to think that, oh, He's in a better place now. Because the Spirit truly is, when absent from the body, is with the Lord. But I think we're short-circuiting it. I think what we need to understand and see in this passage is that He's saying, I'm the source not simply of a spiritual life, but an eternal life in which one day your spirit that's been made alive will be connected to a body that has no sin and has no suffering. It feels no pain. You see, we long for a time, and, and we sing the song today, we long for a time when we can be with Jesus. But I think what we can understand is, is as we trust in Jesus, He's the source that, that gives us a hope of more than just simply being made alive in spirit. I, I think what we're to long for is not simply dying and going to be with Him, but for His return and for all those that have, been, have, have died and gone before to be raised from the dirt and their bodies to be made new and for us to be connected to Him, body and spirit unified as we stand before Him and worship Him. You see, Jesus is the source for that. He's the one that makes it possible. He says it. I'm the resurrection and the life. He came into this world. He lived among filth and stench and, and death and, and in order to make it all possible. And He's not just preparing our soul, but he's, he's, he's preparing for us a life that will last forever. See, He makes it possible. If it weren't for Him, if it weren't for Jesus, it couldn't be. It wouldn't be. Because there's not one of us that can do this on our own. There's not one of us that has the power to stand up and, 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 and bring life where death is. There's not one of us that, that has enough compassion and concern for lost people in this world to, to change them and make them new. There's not one of us that, that has ever had, had a providence that, has, has, that, that can be rested on or assured, sure, we make, we make plans every day. But how often do our plans change? How often do the circumstances of life affect the way we're approaching things? Man, I live by that motto. Well, I don't really plan that much, but I'm ready for change. I, I enjoy change because that's what happens. None of us have, have a plan that can stand. And in His glory, we can't even compare. We can't, even, we can't even come close. He paved the way. He made it possible. 
not, not only in this act, not, not only at this point in which he stands before this grave and he says, Lazarus, come out, and people see his power, but also in his own resurrection. You see, that becomes the hinge pin for it all. If he wasn't a risen Lord, if he wasn't a risen Christ, well, this could just be played off as some trick or some, they just figured out some way to get some food in the grave for Lazarus so he could hang out there. He wasn't really sick. There'd be all kinds of explanations. But you see, in his resurrection, in his own resurrection, we see that he's more than just a mere man, but that he's God in flesh, and now he's risen and actively working, sitting on the throne at the right hand of his Father. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, that says this, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, referring back to the chapter before that speaks about all those that had faith, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen to this. Looking to Jesus, focusing on Jesus, paying particular attention to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the source. He's the foundation for it all. He's the one that started it. He's the one that made it possible. He's the one who did the work. Who for the joy set before Him... Somehow my verse got cut off there. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And just as, just as He looked to the joy before Him and, and dealt with the cross, we see in Lazarus that death precedes resurrection. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. But before we can ever experience resurrection, we must experience death. Listen to it again. He says that, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. You see, we're, we, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't, have to, we don't have to live like the rest of the world with this fear of what's unknown ahead of us. Because Jesus is the source of life. He's the source of resurrection. He's the one that gives us the hope in His power, in His providence, in His compassion and grace. We will recognize His glory. You see, we don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to approach things with this fear or sense that, that we're not going to make it. Because as believers, we have to die before we can be resurrected. We, there, has to be this, there has to be this place where, where our flesh is, is, is crucified, our flesh is, is left behind so that we can be made to live. See, our hope is no longer in life or how long we can, how many ways that we can cheat death. For those of us that believe, even if we die, we're going to be made alive. Job 19, verses 25 to 27, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible because it demonstrates. that we can have confidence in, great, in, in the midst of great suffering, 
Job has lost everything. In the midst of this passage, he talks about how he's even a stranger to his own wife, who's the only family member that, that, that lived. And, and he says that even, I'm, I'm even a stranger to, the, to the, my mother's children. His friends are sitting around him, accusing him of how terrible he is and how badly he must have sinned to have God just mad at him. And in the midst of it all, he comes to this place where he says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Job understood that even as he died, even as he suffered in this flesh, even as everything around him fell apart, that there would be a day that he'd stand in a body with his own eyes looking at the Lord. And he longed for it. My heart faints within me. You see, we don't just need to long for that moment that we can spiritually be with our, with our Savior. But we get to long for that time that we get to live with Him forever without the curse of sin, without the pain that comes from sin, without the, without the suffering and the tears and, and, and the loss and, 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 and the endurance of evil, without any of that as our bodies are given to us and we are restored you see, this picture, in fact, is, as I look at this story of Lazarus, I see it as, as a snapshot or a microcosm of, of what God has been doing since, since the fall of man and, and probably really, by His perspective, from even before that. But, but as, as, as God is, is working in this world, He comes into this world and, and, he, and he works and He demonstrates His glory and He, and he makes it so evident to people. And people don't get it. They don't understand it. And He continues to work and continues to demonstrate His glory and His providence and His power. And He demonstrates His care and concern for His creation. Over and over you can see this through, his, through the story of the Gospel, through the Old Testament and the New. Always working for one point. Always working towards one climax. You see, the end, the end of sin, it finds its end on the cross. But the end of redemption doesn't come until we found the resurrection and Jesus comes again in glory and brings us to this place and heals us and makes us new and raises us up and gives us this new body. That's when the work is completely done. That's when the work is all finished, when the new heavens and the new earth are brought to this place and we're resurrected and living in the presence of our Savior from now until forever. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're longing for. That's what God's been doing. And that's what we see in the story of Lazarus. A man who was sinful and he dealt with the products of sin in his life and he was sick and he was dying. Without Jesus, Apart from Christ, that's every one of us. Every one of us. And there will come a day when Jesus stands before our grave. 
He calls you by name to come out. Imagine that day as he says it. Craig, come out. Stephanie, come out. Sarah, come out. Jeff, come out. What a day to long for. What a day to live for. What a day to recognize our joy being made complete in. Focusing on our Savior. Looking to Him as the author and perfecter of our faith. And knowing that we no longer have to fear those things that come to us in this world, those things that, that knock us down, that, 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 that seem to have power over us, that seem to control us and seem to, and, and, and seem to take away the light. You see, here's the promise in all of it. Is that death will never control you because death didn't control Jesus. Death will never have power over you because it didn't have power over Jesus. Death will never own you again because it never owned Jesus. That's the hope we have. That's the power He has. And it's because of that power and His great compassion, His beautiful glory, and this amazing providence that we have the assurance that that's going to happen. My hope is that as you sit here and listen, you recognize this is what Jesus did for you. This is what He did for you. It's what He did for me. It's what He did for our brothers and our sisters. Isn't He worthy of our worship? You guys can see the communion table sitting out here. You can see that, that um, obviously we're going to celebrate this today. As we come to celebrate that, you know, it's a serious, it's a serious time and it should, should be a serious time of contemplation for us. But it should also be something that brings us to a place where we experience joy and gratitude and a desire to worship. You see, in the elements, we see what Jesus Christ did for us. The crackers, the, the, the bread, obviously represents His body broken. As He was crucified on the cross, He was spit upon and mocked. And, and, and in, the, in the intensity and the, the evil of that moment, as our Savior is, is, is nailed to that cross and, and His body is broken, we see how deplorable our sin is to our Father. And in the, in the juice, we recognize that His blood was spilled. They pressed the crown of thorns on His head and the thorns dug into His flesh and He bled. They whipped Him. with a cat of nine tails, with bones and pieces of metal in the ends. And they ripped his flesh. And they wrapped a purple robe around him and they laughed at him. Oh, I thought you were a king. And they took him and they put a cross upon his back and they made him carry it through the streets. All the way he's bleeding 
And, and, and many people say that, that, they were, that it's amazing that he even made it to the point that they laid him on his back and they spread out his hands and they nailed him to that tree. And then they took his feet and they put a spike right through them as well. And that blood, that blood as it was spilled is what cleanses us from sin. And in this tragic event, we find forgiveness. And while it's saddening, while it hurts to think about, while I, while I am moved with emotion because I picture it in my mind, if it hadn't been for Jesus, what we hope for and what we long for couldn't be. It wouldn't be. You see, the great news is, is that as we celebrate this and we remember that price He paid, we don't celebrate for a man who's still in his grave. We celebrate because we have a risen Savior who's told us that He is the resurrection and that He is the life. And this is what gives us hope. This is what gives us assurance. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to consider what Christ died for in you. I want you to consider what He's giving you victory over. And I want you to ask again for His continued forgiveness because we recognize the struggle's not done. I want you to ask for His continuing presence in your life, for His sanctifying power to cleanse you and help you continue to overcome the sin to help you lay that down. Dear Jesus, we do thank You for the price You paid. And we do praise You that You give us life. I pray that through Your Spirit You would help us not just to feel the weight of this, as we need to, but that You'd also help us to understand the joy of it. The celebration that comes from it. The hope that, 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 that shines out of it. Help us to recognize that You really should be and are worthy to be our focus. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the band plays, I just want to share this passage with you. Jesus is speaking and He says, it's Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We no longer have to fear the physical death that comes. You know, the, the, I, I don't know why this popped in my head. The, the, the drug commercials and ads and magazines, and uh, you know, they're, they're all about improving our, our quality of life, and I don't have a problem with that, and, and, and actually making life longer. Uh, but, but every one of them, every one of them come with a list of side effects that, that's as long as, uh, uh, well, you're going to need a lot more drugs. And they're going to come with side effects. And those are going to come with side effects. Jesus, He doesn't come with side effects. You see, He provides us a hope and a joy and an assurance and, 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 and an ability to see past death. But what He does call us to do every day, see, for us as believers, death isn't about that time in the future when our body quits working. Every day, we're called to die to ourselves to live for Him. Every one of us. Every day. I just pray that as we recognize that, we'll be willing to stand up and walk in a way that's pleasing to our Savior. Let me, let me, let me say this for the visitors. We don't pass this. Um, as you guys are ready, you're welcome to come take of the elements if you're a believer where you don't have to be a member of the church but we do ask that you be a believer obviously this is for believers but um, if you want somebody to pray with as you as you take it let me know I'd be happy to pray with you if there's things in your life that you um, just feel like you need dealt with um, I'm, I'm happy to speak with you um, but uh, just as you're ready come and take and celebrate Your body was given Your blood was spilled You were innocent Still you
Your blood speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. Why don't we stand up? Your blood speaks a better word than all the empty things I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense. Jesus, it's your blood. What can wash away your sins? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash us pure as snow? Welcomed as the friends of God. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but your blood, King Jesus. Your cross speaks of that and grace, tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach, now by earthly confidence. It's only by your blood. Your cross testifies in grace, tells of the Father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence. It's only by your blood. What can wash away our sins? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash us pure as snow? Welcomed as the friends of God. Nothing but your blood. Nothing but your blood, King Jesus. Your blood testifies in grace. 
to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach, not by earthly confidence, it's only by your blood. Father God, we thank you, God, that that is through your blood that we can come to you, that it's your grace and the faith that you give that we can boldly come to you, Father God. And cry out, Abba, Father. Father God, make that real in our lives. Make Christ the focus of our life. Father God, that one day we will come before You and Your arms will be open. Father God, and that our resurrection and our salvation will be complete as we are made new and sinless. Make that the focus of our lives, Father God. And let us share that with the lost world. Better is one day in your court. Better 
Christ's name I pray, amen.